When a research scientist's work revealed that kids today are losing their passion for learning, she took action to address this critical issue in child development. I started this out because I was worried that too many kids were dropping out of learning. We've got a societal problem. We need people who are ongoing learners. On today's show, discover how her research led first to a best-selling book and now a program teaching the seven essential life skills every child needs, including right here in our community. After I wrote the book, the plan was to promote these skills in ourselves and in children. Milwaukee, I'm very happy to say, is implementing Mind in the Making. And later, we'll focus our CTSI on an effort bringing hope to children with rare diseases through the power of music. We know music has social benefits. It can help kids express their feelings. We just truly believe in the power of music. Learn about Mind in the Making and Harmony for Hope inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Freighter Hospital, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions in advancing biomedical research and finding new drugs, treatments, therapeutics, and interventions that are better, faster, and more economical than ever. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. In 2017, the CTSI launched the CTSI Academy as its arm for training people in the practical aspects of translational research because the CTSI understands that essential to its success is a well-trained translational workforce in our community that will assist research programs in many capacities. Under the CTSI Academy, the Child Advancement Network is in development to offer a multitude of programs and resources with the goal of narrowing the achievement gap and ensuring ensuring better outcomes for children throughout our Southeast Wisconsin community. Among the first offerings the Child Advancement Network is facilitating is called Mind in the Making, a program of the Bezos Family Foundation designed to share the science of children's learning with parents, professionals who work with children and families, and the general public. To discover what Mind in the Making is all about, we spoke recently with Ellen Galinsky, Chief Science Officer at the Bezos Family Foundation and Executive Director director of Mind in the Making. First, we learn that the Mind in the Making program grew out of Ellen's best-selling book of the same title, published back in 2010. But as she tells it, she wasn't intending it to be a book in the first place. No, I wasn't. I was doing a study where I was asking young people about learning, and I found too many young people turned off by learning. All I could do was contrast that with the passion that every baby is born with to learn. And I began to wonder, what are we doing to dim that fire in children's eyes? 
guys, and that's what led to Mind in the Making. But her years of expertise as a researcher led her to realize that this research she was conducting deserved to be a book. As I was into this journey, I began to see that the children most likely to thrive were children where executive function skills were promoted. And that was the turnaround that led me to say, this is new, we're not focusing on this, and it deserves to be a book where you can pull together what you've learned. Ellen's book covers the seven essential life skills that every child needs based on executive functions of the brain. But what exactly does that mean? Executive functions are things like being able to hold information in your mind so that you can use it. Think flexibly because you have to respond to changing circumstances. And then self-control, doing what you need to do to achieve a goal. What drives the brain's executive functions? Executive functions are always goal-driven. They're the capacities that bring together our social, our emotional, our cognitive, and our behavioral capacities to achieve a goal. They're so integral to our success. If we have a goal and we try to achieve it, we're going to be more likely to thrive, to succeed. So are executive functions distinguishable from intelligence? Well, that's a great question. Tests of intelligence tend to ask you to recall the information you have. If you're doing a test of executive function, it would ask you to use the information that you have. Studies are finding that executive function skills are more important than IQ in determining our success. Next, we look at the seven essential life skills Ellen identifies, beginning with the first skill, focus and self-control. Focus and self-control are the core executive function skills, and that's why I put it as number one. It involves being able to pay attention, use information to think flexibly, and to use self-control. But can young kids be expected to have focus and self-control? are always using focus and self-control. For example, we filmed a baby who was just born minutes before with Barry Brazelton, the late pediatrician, and he pulled a blanket off Isabella, and Isabella started to cry and scream, and then he said, what you crying for? And Isabella used Barry Brazelton's voice to bring herself under control. So the beginnings of self-control and focus are there at birth. Ellen's second essential life skill for children perspective taking. Perspective taking means understanding your own emotions, it's understanding your own thoughts, and then understanding that other people might have similar or different thoughts and feelings than you do. And it's an important skill for avoiding or resolving conflict. Kids who are good at perspective taking are less likely to get into conflicts because they understand other people's behaviors and they can come up with solutions that might work for both. The third essential life skill communicating. That means being able to figure out what it is you want to communicate in whatever form, whether it's dance, music, words, and then being able to think about how your audience is going to hear it so that you can communicate in the most effective way, really being able to articulate in whatever form what it is you want and need. Mind in the Making's fourth essential life skill, making connections. Is this connecting with people or concepts? Making connections underlies symbolic representation. If you look at the knowledge of the world, it's based on symbols standing for something else. Our knowledge system is based on connecting what's alike, what's different, then seeing the relationships among concepts. And it can be among people, yes, you're right. But focusing more on that symbolic representation that underlies literacy, that underlies science and other forms of knowledge. She adds that children who make both usual and unusual 
unusual connections have better outcomes in life. Making unusual connections, seeing things that go together in an unusual way is the basis of creativity, and the people who can think with originality are the people who are going to succeed. The fifth essential life skill is critical thinking. Critical thinking involves problem solving, reflecting on what it is you know, and then figuring out what's real information. We tend to want to reinforce what we already think, but sometimes that doesn't serve as well. And this is a very current idea where truth is often called into question, but we act on the basis of what we see as our truth. That involves critical thinking. And parents must be willing to let their children be critical thinkers. And if adults just explain things to kids without letting them seek the information, we're not going to create the kind of deep thinkers that we want. Allison Gopnik, the University of California at Berkeley, says simply saying I wonder promotes a different kind of thinking. So reflection is critical to critical thinking. The sixth essential life skill, taking on challenges. Does this mean teaching kids to accept challenges versus avoiding them? Yes, in part it does. We've had a big focus on resilience, but I wanted to take it to the next level, which is who will try that next hard thing. Knowledge is changing more rapidly than any other time in human history. We need to help children try something hard and figure out how you can do it. Taking on challenges can cause stress. Ellen says a little stress can actually be a positive thing. However, the difference between positive stress and negative stress is something that goes on and on and on where there's no one there to help you cope and manage. I often do an exercise with Mind in the Making, which is shout out a word that describes life today, and it's rare that I get a positive word. The seventh and perhaps the most important essential life skill is self-directed, engaged learning. Being a self-directed, engaged learner to me is the skill that I hope all of these other skills lead to. And it means we are setting goals, we're setting strategies to achieve those goals, and then we're figuring out what works and what doesn't work and continuing to follow our goals. Those of us who have goals and try to achieve them are likely to do better. So it's Ellen Galinsky's hope that Mind in the Making gets kids motivated to learn and to keep learning throughout life. I started this out because I I was worried that too many kids were dropping out of learning. Studies have shown that between 40 and 60 percent of kids are not engaged in learning. And if you ask kids why they go to school, fewer than 40 percent said to learn. So we've got a societal problem. We need people who are ongoing learners. Today, Ellen's Mind in the Making book has grown into a full-blown program instilling these essential life skills in children and adults. After I wrote the book, the plan was to promote these skills in ourselves and in children. And we strongly feel that unless we work on those skills, we're not going to be able to promote them as well in children. So it really needs to be a process helping us first, putting on your own oxygen mask first, and then helping kids. Which leads us right into introducing our next guest. Aaron Ramsey is the Senior Program Director for Mind in the Making, sharing the seven essential life skills program, first with facilitator institutes like CTSI, and then with entire communities. We caught up with Erin recently when she brought Mind in the Making to Milwaukee. When we decide to partner with a community, we look for a strong lead, such as this institute at the medical college, the CTSI. And what we ask is that they bring in different partners. So a lot of times when you have an opportunity to learn the science and to come together, people stay in their niches. And that's not what we want. What we want is a cross-sector. Erin explains why having a cross-section of community leaders is so important. What this has 
has done is identified the people who can really impact children and families and then come together across sectors, which builds community stronger as they will take it out into the community. You think about what are some goals I can set to develop the skill in myself. So it's kind of like we're looking at the adult first and then how do they help their children develop the life skill. So who are the community leaders the program is rolled out to? And what sectors do they represent? In Milwaukee, we have a nice variety of people representing community-based organizations. We have several early childhood educators and experts in the room. We have the medical field represented through various forms. And we have the churches. We have faith-based partners here, and they go through the science and how to apply it together. Of course, learning the program doesn't just happen. Aaron and others teach it in a three-day workshop to community leaders hosted at a facilitating institute, just like CTSI did recently. We come in for three days and let the participants experience the brain science. So they're seeing the science firsthand. They see the science through modules designed based on Mind in the Making's seven essential life skills. So the way the modules are set up is we look at the life skill first, then we look at the research, then we think about what does this mean in my children's lives? What are things that I can do to promote this skill? We call those factors that matter. And every module follows the same cycle, but each module is a particular skill and each of the skills builds on the previous skill. To get to the highest hanging fruit is what I call it the seventh skill, which is self-directed engaged learning. And when we're self-directed engaged learners, we're passionate and willing to work hard for what we want to know and what we want to give. With the ultimate goal being for people to understand the brain science and then what to do with it to help take research and put it into action. But she says there are equity issues that can affect how, where, and when this happens. There is so much research out there that can help people thrive in their daily lives, but so many people don't have access. And even the people who do have access may not read it. And then even if they do read it, they may not know what to do with it. And so we're taking the very best child development research, giving it firsthand, but then also allowing the learning journey to unfold in a way that we can meet people where they are to promote those skills in themselves first, because we believe you can't give what you don't have. You can't teach what you don't know. So it's really an adult intervention, but it has child outcomes. And from her time leading the three-day workshop here, Erin sees the CTSI as poised to facilitate sharing the Mind in the Making program in our community. This group is really phenomenal. To have such a cross-sector of people in the room that are so connected to the community that CTSI wants to reach and that the community wants to rise up. They're very poised to go out and do it. And I think the leadership, to have a strong anchor partner, to keep people motivated, are really in position. So I'm really excited to see what happens in Milwaukee with Mind in the Making. In 2016, Ellen Galinsky brought Mind in the Making under the Bezos Family Foundation. But their partnership formed even earlier with the goal of sharing the science of children's learning. We had worked with the Bezos Family Foundation since 2011. They had been funding research, but it wasn't really making a difference in the world. So they started out on a journey to figure out how to turn it into action. We felt that joining together would give Mind in the Making a much more powerful reach. And Milwaukee, I'm very happy to say, is implementing Mind in the Making. Erin Ramsey agrees that the Bezos Family Foundation is an impactful partner that the Mind in the Making program will thrive with. To bring Mind in the Making in 
the Bezos Family Foundation together. It really is an effort to create an early learning nation to help parents and educators understand the impact that they have. And it's just a greater understanding that there's simple things that we can do based on science that really can propel our children's development. To learn more about Mind in the Making, you'll want to check out their website. Mindinthemaking.org. They'll take you to the resources. Many, many materials, a library of videos, and for people who are on Facebook, Mind in the Making has a Facebook page. We'll be sure to post links on our CTSI website along with the podcast of this show. Finally, for any parents wondering if it's too late to teach your kids these essential life skills. It really is never too late. These skills are very malleable. They're teachable. We can learn them, whether we're in our 60s or whether we're little babies. Of the more than 100,000 diagnosed diseases known throughout the world, 7% are classified as rare diseases that most of us have likely never heard of. But for the patients and the families who take care of them, rare diseases are all too real. With most being incurable, you might think there's little hope for those living with a rare disease. But today, you'll discover an organization that's bringing not only hope, but quality of life and a voice to the rare disease community through the power of music. It's called Harmony for Hope. And we recently spoke with Carrie Hughes, its founder and president. Carrie says that Harmony for Hope started about 10 years ago, inspired by... A very good friend whose daughter was diagnosed with a rare disease and some friends and neighbors who started doing benefit concerts to raise money for research. From those humble beginnings, she saw that more needed to be done to raise awareness and funds for research of rare diseases. We decided to create more of a focused plan on how we could positively impact children and families and unite people for this cause. Carrie Hughes went into action. So Harmony for Hope was founded in 2014 to fuel scientific discovery in rare disease, to educate on rare disease, and deliver the uplifting power of music to children and families that are impacted by rare disease. Soon after creating Harmony for Hope, Carrie's interest in rare diseases became more personal. My father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and pancreatic cancer is actually considered a rare disease. Sadly, my father passed away 19 days after he was diagnosed. Her loss fueled her passion for more action. Carrie set out to make rare diseases and those they affect more commonly known. I studied education at Marquette University, and I was an elementary school teacher, so I've always really had a passion for educating. I'm definitely weaving that into my passion for advocating for rare disease patients and families. We asked Carrie to put things in perspective for us to better understand the problem Harmony for Hope is trying to help solve. So rare disease is defined by 200,000 people or less in a disease group. There are 7,000 different rare diseases that impact 350 million people worldwide or 30 million Americans. And what's important to know and the reason that we focus on children is because half of those people, 175 million, are children. And 35% of these children won't live to see their fifth birthday. She adds that very few rare diseases are treatable. There are 200 FDA-approved drugs, so approximately 5% of 
these 7,000 diseases have treatment, so it's not a lot, and it's really what inspires me to do what I'm doing. In the absence of treatments, how does Harmony for Hope help children with rare diseases? We really hope to have a positive impact on research, on education, and providing a gift through music. There's three main facets to its mission funding research grants and we generate those funds through our rock the research concert benefits developing an educational platform and that's our rare storytellers program bringing these stories to life for future physicians researchers and all healthcare practitioners and using the power of music to uplift rare disease patients and families that is called our play this forward program anything from repurposing ipods to creating playlists delivering iTunes gift cards, music therapy sessions. Why did Carrie identify music as a pathway for connecting with the rare disease community? I do not have a musical background. I just love music. It's a universal language that unites people. And in this rare disease space, music seems like a natural element to create community and deliver a message. Plus, she notes the many therapeutic benefits of music. Music can greatly improve the quality of life for children who are otherwise on a very poor trajectory. We know music has social benefits. It helps with language development. It can help kids express their feelings. It creates an emotional connection. We just truly believe in the power of music, and we really want to bring that to kids and families. Harmony for Hope recently held its first Rare Storytellers event at the Medical College of Wisconsin. We'll hear from one of their Rare Storytellers in a bit. But ahead of that, Carrie says that event at MCW was a success, with one very key takeaway. The biggest takeaway from our MCW event was the importance of precision medicine. And we feel that we have a key role in that because without new scientific discoveries, there would be no personalized or precision medicine approach. So we feel that we're really having an influence on that. Dr. Raul Rutia is director of the Genomic Science and Precision Medicine Center at the Medical College of Wisconsin. And he was the keynote speaker at the recent Harmony for Hope event at MCW. I thought that it was a fantastic event. Harmony for Hope was able to bring what the rare disease field of research and the medical practice is all about, the possibilities, the opportunities, and highlight also that MCW is working very hard in this field to transform knowledge into a product that changes life. As an expert in genomic sciences and precision medicine, Dr. Urrutia says talking about rare diseases is a bit tricky because there's so many of them. Rare diseases is kind of a misnomer because there are almost 7,000 rare diseases and the international and national statistics indicates that the most common disease is a rare disease. In other words, you are more likely to get a rare disease than diabetes or cancer or any of the other well-known diseases. The problem has been that they have remained un recognized for a long time. But breakthroughs in medical science are accelerating and increasing research into many diseases. 
including rare diseases. Precision medicine is critical. There are many rare diseases which present themselves with a similar appearance. And the genetic testing and the precision medicine testing allow us to increase the diagnosis, to improve the prognosis, and in many cases, to find a cure. Conversely, precision medicine can lead to a decrease in what's known as the diagnostic odyssey. Diagnostic odyssey is a process families go through in order to find an answer. And so what we are trying to do is to actually shorten that diagnostic odyssey through precision medicine. While precision medicine is increasing, there still exists a knowledge gap limiting its implementation. That is of paramount importance. I would tell you that it is neither technology nor computer power which is currently limiting the implementation of precision medicine, but rather the lack of information, not only of the community, but also of many of our practitioners. So GSPMC is making significant strides into this project as we are forming new careers that will soon launch at MCW for training in areas that are related to precision medicine. Dr. Urrutia sees the CTSI playing a critical role in collaborating with the GSPMC in advancing precision medicine. I see GSPMC serving CTSI and CTSI serving GSPMC in the education of the new generations of practitioners as well as training new investigators and providing tools for diagnosing with more precision, treating with more precision, and preventing with high level of precision. He also sees the important role of Harmony for Hope. This is a magnificent organization who, by the way, know very well what they're doing because they share day and night the reality of that rare disease. They are the voice of their children, they are the voice of their parents and their own community. One way that Harmony for Hope gives a voice to the rare disease community is through their Rare Storyteller event series, which empowers rare disease patients and families to share their stories. Take, for example, Ryan Freund, who, along with his wife, Melissa, share the story of their daughter, Adair. Adair is a four-year-old little girl. She's hilarious. She has a great sense of humor. She loves making up her own little songs. So right now, the big thing is her song about poop, which is very exciting. Poop, 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 poop. A typical four-year-old. She loves to go out and do things, going to the Milwaukee Art Museum, walking around the Third Ward. That's the kind of stuff that we tend to do, and she is just a delight to be around. But there's something that makes Adair not typical. She has been through quite a bit. She's had 10 major surgeries in her four years of life. You see, Adair is afflicted with an extremely rare genetic disorder. Adair's diagnosis has what is possibly one of the more uncreative names. It's called Mental Retardation X-Linked 99 Syndromic Female Restricted. It's a pretty rough little name. Ryan says her disease was only recently discovered and diagnosed. The genetic disorder was actually just discovered in 2016. She was diagnosed in 2017. Just how rare is Adair's condition? Global 
globally, there are about 40 people with a diagnosis, and it affects boys and girls very differently. So there's 15 to 20 known females in the world. There's many more that just haven't been diagnosed yet, but it's safe to say that her specific genetic disorder is quite rare. It affects her both cognitively and physically. The cornerstone of it is cognitive disability. Then it's an array of physical challenges. That includes heart challenges, orthopedic challenges with her hips and her joints, endocrine issues. Overall, she's seen in 13 different specialty clinics at Children's Hospital Wisconsin. So why do Ryan and his family share Adair's experience through Harmony for hope. Advocacy for us was kind of um, how could we not become involved, both for Adair and improving awareness, but also for all the families. We want to be there for them too and be able to share our story because it'll help them as well. He hopes that sharing their story helps on two levels within the rare disease community. Internally, it's really about building community, developing those connections, and giving people a sense of belonging and, and we're all in this together because having a rare disease can be a very lonely and isolating thing. And in the community at large. Externally, bringing awareness, developing that empathy, and hopefully changing hearts and minds so that people develop a heart for that rare disease community. Ryan says his family's rare disease odyssey is greatly impacted by Harmony for Hope's embracing of the power of music and storytelling. Music is a huge part of our life. So Adair has a ukulele. She loves to dance. She loves to make up songs. And so when you combine storytelling with the power of music, you develop a very powerful way to communicate a message. Speaking of messages, Ryan has one for anyone in the rare disease community. You are not alone. There are people out there who get you, who want to know you, who love you before they even know you, and there's a community here for you. And for the rest of us... Individuals with rare diseases have something to teach society. And so what I would challenge people who are listening to do is think about what can I learn from them? What about Adair? What can we learn from her? Joy. Adair is a joy to know and be around. If you want to learn more about Harmony for Hope, Carrie Hughes invites you to come visit our website. It's Harmony, the number four, hope.org. We're also very active on social media. And that brings us to an end for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Our sincere thanks to today's guests, Ellen Galinsky, Aaron Ramsey, Carrie Hughes, Dr. Raul Rutia, and Ryan Freund. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show, and I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month, so make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to this program online and on demand, please visit the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.